Welcome to Living Your Limitless Life. Your host is Carol DeShane, the founder of Connect to Joy. This program is designed to inspire and motivate you to find your best life. Join us on this journey of transformation. Now, here is Carol DeShane. Hello, beautiful spirits. Welcome to the show. I'm Carol DeShane, and my passion in life is to help you find your joy, to release what holds you back, and assist you to quantum leap your journey of self-discovery. I'm an intuitive, certified in life and business coaching, and a Marconic multidimensional energy practitioner and teacher. So if you're ready to start creating that life you've only dreamed of, that you deserve, let's have some fun. And let's get started right now. Today, we're going to talk about a subject that I didn't even realize I knew as much about as I do. It's how to defeat stage fright. Because I want you to be able to speak anywhere because part of living a limitless life has to do with letting yourself do what you want and be who you want to be. And this is a fear that is really prevalent because they say that more people are more afraid of giving a speech in public then they are afraid of death, which means that more people would rather die than give the eulogy. I don't seem to agree with that. I would rather give the eulogy even when I was afraid because I was more afraid of death at the time. I decided to talk about it because between having acted for lots and lots of years, and I won't tell you how many because I started in high school, I've been afraid of speaking as myself, my personal self, because acting Let's put it this way. You have a script. You have a character. You have all these things that you hide behind. And you don't have to see the audience most of the time either because you can't see them. They're in the dark. But I've been going to Toastmasters for, I think, about three years now, maybe over three. And so I've learned a lot there as well about being me now that were a little different. So we're going to today be looking at the symptoms and severity of the fear, the stage fright that is really normal to have if you do the three types of speaking that can cause stage fright, the top eight reasons you might have it, and most importantly, we're going to talk about how to prepare. Seven steps to release the fear right before you go on stage and what to do actually even during the speech because the whole goal is to help you relax, to help you focus, to deliver whatever you want to deliver in a way that's empowered and that you have fun doing it. First, I want to have you ask some questions of yourself. First, has this fear impacted my life? Have you lost a job, a promotion? Maybe you couldn't present an award. Or maybe you always wanted to be in a play and you're afraid to audition. Or maybe you hate going to parties because you don't know what to say to people. Or even dating one-on-one, you don't know what to say, so you don't want to do that either. The next question to ask yourself is, how do I feel when I have to speak in public? We're going to talk about symptoms that you might be feeling. How do you feel? The next question is, do I want to speak in public? The answer may be no, but the next question is, do I have to speak in public? Maybe you have to for work or for parties that your spouse drags you to that you feel you have to. Maybe even work has parties you need to network at. Sometimes it's just being in general where you're going to a grocery store or talking to somebody at customer service You kind of have to talk to some people. Next question is, do I avoid it altogether? And if I have, how has it impacted my life? Has it severely limited my choices in life? So what brings you here today? Now, 
you'll be amazed at how speaking in public can impact lots of different areas of your life. It's not just making a speech that's prepared, although I am going to give you a step-by-step approach to that as well. Now, you're going to find the symptoms are varied. When I looked it up to see what besides the way I feel, because my symptoms are specifically sweaty, cold hands. They're called clammy hands. Right before I go on, I stand there and I go, okay, my hands are cold and clammy. I always have butterflies. Sometimes there's a whole swarm of them. Sometimes it's just an uneasy feeling, but I never get to the nausea stage. I've had hives once, my first speech at Toastmasters when I had to be myself. That was lovely, little pink dots all over my body. And I almost always have to go pee right before I go out, even if I've just gone. So those are my four main things. But the other symptoms that you might have are racing pulse, rapid breathing, hyperventilating. You might have dry mouth or a tight throat. You might need lots of water. You might find it hard to talk. Maybe your tongue feels like it's blown up to a bigger size because you can't speak properly or you trip over your mouth. Your hands might tremble or your knees. Maybe even your voice trembles. You may have some vision changes, which are a little scary when that happens. And the biggest ones are basically that you might feel like you're going to pass out or throw up. You might feel like you're going to just feel like you can't walk up to the podium. And those trembling hands, you may look at your hands and go, they look steady, but that's not what it feels like. And other times you'll look at your hands and they'll be actually shaking. These are major reasons why people don't like speaking in public. They have those horrible feelings. How severe does it feel like to you? Does just the thought of it make you go, no, it's okay? Is it just a little? Like with me, when I'm acting, I just have a few butterflies, depending on the part, the cold and clammy hands, and of course, they having to pee problem. But what about, do you have like maybe a bigger problem? Do you have trouble focusing and you have a little nausea maybe, or your throat tightens a little? Maybe you feel like you're trembling, or maybe it's really bad. So you go blank, or you have hives like I did that one time. Maybe you hyperventilate. Your hands or knees shake. You feel like throwing up. And maybe you get to the point where you go, why am I doing this to myself? Why did I say I would ever do this again? And then you swear you'll never will again. And then you do. There's a lot of actors in that category. Or they have to make some sort of presentation or their act. And they're going, I will never do this again. And then they're done and they go, oh, this is great. This went perfect. Oh, my God. And then they do it again. The thing you want to do is to be able to channel that fear from fear into something like excitement, because it's hard to focus when you're all over the place, but you can, when you feel and you channel it into something that's a similar kind of emotion, but doesn't debilitate you. The severity you're going to find depends on a lot of things, your background, your past, your mindset, and the type of speaking that you talk about. And that's the thing. For me, there's three different kinds of categories of speaking that you're going to find stage fright kind of comes up with. One of them is public speaking where you have a plan, right? You know that you want to say something. You may have notes. It's something like a eulogy, a presentation for the office where maybe you have a PowerPoint. It's a speech for Toastmasters that's prepared, vows at a wedding. Those are kind of the public speaking things where you're planned, right? You kind of know you want to say something. Maybe you have an outline, but you don't have a whole thing set up. Then there's things like improv, where you're being yourself. You might know the subject, but have nothing prepared. You might not know the subject. 
improv, like whose line is it anyway, or where the audience sometimes sets the scene for the troupe and then they have to just go, just let it pop out of your mouth. There's something in Toastmasters called table topics for extemporaneous speaking, where you get a question and one minute minimum and two and a half minutes maximum where you just have to answer the question or find a way to talk for at least a minute if you have no clue how to answer the question. Thinking on your feet is what this is about. Even being at a party or at a line at a grocery store or your boss asks you a question, this is all falling under this, what I would call improv, thinking on your feet category. So that's the planned speeches, the improv speeches, and acting, where you're a character, you're on a stage in front of a bunch of people that normally you can't see in the audience, but sometimes you can, depending on how the theater's set up. You have to audition, which is in front of people and letting them judge you. When you're performing, you get lots of rehearsals. You have to get off book, so you have to memorize. But someone else writes the lines. You don't have to do it. Other people are on stage with you. You don't need to worry about other people. You can hide behind the character or the costumes, the sets or the lights. And like I said, you usually don't see the audience, which is much easier on your beingness when you're dealing with that. A lot of actors have trouble speaking in actual public speaking where they're being themselves. But as actors, they can do it. They're comfortable. They're good at hiding behind. You might have stage fright in all three of these. The prepared public speaking, the off-the-cuff kind of speaking, or the acting with a script. Or you might just have one or two. For me, the acting I got used to. I was a little scared at first. And sometimes auditions... It's a little different from, because you're still yourself when you do your audition, but you're prepared, so you may not be as scared. Acting, I'm kind of used to now. It's been years. <laughs> Just a few years. That I'm used to. When I audition, I pretend like I'm somebody else, and I just get out there, and I sing or act or whatever I do. It's a little nervous, but it's not huge. Depends on how much I want the part when I'm auditioning. But when I'm doing public speaking and it's a prepared speech, that used to be horrible. And like I said, I got hives the first time I did it because I was so nervous. I, I thought I was shaking, but I looked at my hand and it looked solid. But when I sat down after giving that first four to six minute speech about me, it was an icebreaker. So it was about my life. I sat down and I looked at my arms and I had pink spots all over me. And I thought, oh my God, this is absolutely Ridiculous. I'm so nervous. I have pink spots and hives. How did that happen? That has gotten gradually better because the more you do it, the better it gets. But that improv thing, that jumping in there and just speaking, that I'll talk about later. That was something that plagued me with a blank brain the whole time. I just went blank. I had nothing to offer. That's something that was my biggest fear. A quick thing about me is that I've always been a very shy person, which a lot of people go, no, you're not. But I'm great talking one-on-one. -on -one. I'm wonderful if I don't have to be at a party, if I don't have to, even dating makes me very uncomfortable. So that sort of thing is different. But my friends dragged me to my first high school audition. I got more comfortable as I went along. So all of that part, like I've said, that was not a problem. I even became a director. So I learned to be in charge and tell people what to do and how to do it. So I was in charge of people. So that part was okay. But when I got into my business, Connect to Joy, people asked me to do workshops. And I was going to be speaking as myself. And my first thought was, eh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be doing that. Because 
there's a big difference between speaking as a character and speaking as me. With acting, the severity of my fear was nothing much. Improv, really bad. But prepared speaking, not good either. With the workshops, it's both prepared and a little improv when you're answering questions. Since I had to be myself, I did some work to try and figure out where I could go to learn and like going to school almost for speaking. And Toastmasters was where I ended up landing. I looked at a couple different places, but they give me experience in all three types. So I highly recommend them and I don't get anything from it. I do have a Toastmasters group. If you want to join it, of course, in my area, there's different roles you have to explain. You have to do prepared speeches. There's the table topics I mentioned. So you have to kind of answer a question off the top of your head. Which after, even in the first year, I won a first prize award in table topics. And I used to have a total blank brain when it came to responding to anything. I mean, improv, even amongst the people who had never done it before, I was the last one to join in because I just could never think of anything. Having won that award made me realize that you can train yourself to do just about anything. You can train yourself to get rid of the strange fright. So now we're going to get into those eight reasons some obvious, some not so obvious, that will impact you realizing that it's all about mindset. The first reason that you might have stage fright is that you're just unprepared. You don't practice enough. You need rehearsals. You need to make sure your timing, if there's a prepared speech, you know how long it's going to take. Time management is huge in Toastmasters. And when you're acting, some people have dreams or nightmares that they're in the wrong play. They don't know their lines. You know, that old I'm naked going one, like going to school naked. It's those fears that come up in your dreams. We're going to talk about more of that later. Being unprepared is a big one. Another reason you might have stage fright is that you're just afraid of being judged. You don't want to be considered a bad speaker or boring or even a bad person. Or if you're an actor and there's a critic in the audience, you don't want the critic to think of you as bad and write you up or the audience booing or laughing at the wrong time or maybe getting up and walking out. There's a lot of fear in being judged. You also might have fear of making a mistake where you're afraid you're going to trip over your tongue, speak the words wrong, which I know you've probably heard me do in the show. You might have the fear that you're going to use one word instead of another, using words wrong, losing your place in a speech, or going blank really bad so that you have to scramble. Sometimes when you're acting with other people, you have to cover for them. And when either you make the mistake and they have to cover for you or they make the mistake, this is where I learned my biggest lesson on how to get through that mindset because I was stuck. It's like I couldn't get the wheels to grind in my head. When somebody would go up on a line, I would be lost. But I have to say, I did music band. I played Mary and the Librarian oh so few years ago, many years ago. And there's a scene towards the end where the anvil salesman comes out and she has to talk him into not turning in Harold Hill. Just the two of them. And this poor guy, really nice man, had never done a large role before. So he went up on every single line the first time he had to be off book, which was right before we opened. And he'd look at me with this absolutely fearful expression in his face. And I remember having that fear whenever I would do improv. So I was trying to help him because I was thinking of him because there was no audience yet. So Every day he'd get a little better until opening night when he got every single line right. And the pause that hit, I thought, okay, what? Oh, it's my line. And later he said, oh my God, what did I forget? And I said, oh, no, I forgot. So it can hit anybody. 
But that particular thing was a big learning curve for me. So you can learn to start those wheels going and just moving along if you have this problem. The fourth reason you might have stage fright is that you're focused on yourself instead of on your listeners. If you're shy or introverted or have low self-esteem, you might be too stuck in your nervousness. You're focusing on yourself and how you're going to do badly and all those other things and your problems. You forget why you're there. Your listeners want you to be good. Your audience wants you to succeed because they want to enjoy it. Very few people in the audience are not going to feel that way. So you want to make sure you're not so stuck in your own world that you can't be there for why you're there in the first place. Another reason you might have stage fright is that you have past history where things didn't go out quite so well, and you're just afraid that things are repeating themselves. You have this pervasive fear that you're going to mess it up. Because you have. And if you haven't, you still feel like you have, and that might be a past life thing. I don't know if you don't believe in that, that's fine, but it's something that you have this fear of repeating the same problem. The sixth thing that you might have a reason for stage fright is that you're comparing yourself to the other speakers. Yourself, you are, especially if you're speaking right after someone and you think, oh my God, they were so good. I can't possibly go next. This happens a lot in auditions for actors. So if you're an actor out there listening, you know what I'm talking about. You get this amazing person auditioning and you're going, oh my God, uh, I have to go to the bathroom now. Could somebody else go next? You just don't want to go out there. And then, of course, there's also the fear of the comparison that the audience compares you to the other people, the other speakers out there. So seventh reason is one of my favorite ones. I do this all the time. I overthink. I get stuck in a loop. That negative what if that keeps blowing things up as in the worst case scenario could go wrong. Oh, my God. So you're overthinking something about your speech, about going over your time for your speech. Something is going on. And the last one is that you're afraid that you can't hold the audience's attention. Either the material will be bad or you're, if you're acting, that that won't be good. If you're singing a big song, they'll all walk out the door. You're afraid you won't hold them. They'll have hecklers. They'll fall asleep. But they'll get up and they'll leave for some reason. And you won't know why. And that you won't feel like you're good enough. So these are all reasons that people have stage fright. And sometimes you just don't know why. You just have it. But if you get down to the main reason, you'll see that one of these is probably one of those reasons. It's all about mindset, though. You don't need to be perfect. I mean, there is no such thing. You're going to fall over your mouth. You're going to trip on stage sometimes. You're going to, you know, something's going to happen. You won't be able to necessarily take it back. So you make the best of it. And sometimes mistakes, I have those in quotes in my head, you can lead you to humor or better information you hadn't thought of before. Because it just pops out of your mouth and you go, whoa, that was good. I've done that a few times on the show where I go, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that. As you learn, as you practice, you develop more self-awareness and self-compassion and confidence that will help you avoid putting so much pressure on yourself. You can move forward. It's more about practicing. So don't focus on everything going wrong. When you see yourself doing that, just stop in your tracks. And then shift your focus. Visualize that positive outcome and handling anything that could come up. The biggest thing that we need to talk about is preparation. Because in, with improv, you have to release the fear so your mind unfreezes. Because I know that from personal experience. Now, if it's just regular speaking and, and speaking isn't acting, there are different things that you can do. So we're going to now concentrate on those. 
The first thing, the ways to prepare before you speak. If it's going to be at work where it counts and you're going, oh my God, I need to practice before, join Toastmasters. You can have prepared speeches and you can talk about whatever you want. Sometimes you have to aim it in a certain direction because they expect you to have a specific type of speech, but you can practice what you need to do outside of it as well. Extemporaneous speaking also helps you at Toastmasters, so you can help you at parties and when your boss asks you questions. Another thing you can do, if you have an accent or a problem with your speech, like a lisp or something that's hard to understand for ears that aren't used to you, because if you're in a group amongst your own culture and you have an accent, it won't be a problem. But if you're outside of your group, sometimes people have trouble. And I know I've had to evaluate someone. I had a lot of trouble understanding what they were saying, which makes it hard to evaluate them in Toastmasters. Now, there are apps that can help you on your phone. You can download them. There are ways to enunciate better. They teach you. Let me give you three of them. One is the Sounds Pronunciation app, and it's published by Macmillan Education. Another one is Elsa, E-L-S-A, Speak. It helps you speak like an American, so it's like an American accent kind of coach. And there's one that's an English pronunciation app by Kepham, K-E-P-H-A-M. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But there are so many things you can do. I'm going to get into a few more of those. And then after this, I'm going to tell you how you can prepare weeks in advance, as well as right before you go on stage and how you can prepare yourself. There were some other ways that you can prepare way in advance. There is to record yourself and listen back if you're practicing. See if you speak too quickly. See if you're understandable. Because it can be a little embarrassing when you listen to yourself and you go, oh, yeah, no, that wasn't good. Oh, I have too many ahs and filler words in there. The ums and the I don't knows and the oh, so let me think. All those sorts of things that you might be your go-to. So you can hear those things when you record yourself. Now, if your memory is bad, or the fear freaks you out so much you can't like even remember things, you can work with memory games. There's all kinds of stuff that you can do just for memory games on your own. There's also some out there that you can use on your speech. I learned one about using different pieces of furniture in your room for different bullet points in your speech. It's too long to explain it here and it was somebody else's idea, but it's something that was most interesting and and did help me actually with one of my speeches. I know I had one song on a show I did. I did Annie Get Your Gun, and I was Annie. And one song called Doing What Comes Naturally, I called it my aunt and uncle song, the relative song, because there was every relative known to man listed in the song. There was no rhyme or reason as to what order it came in. So my memory, I was a little concerned I'd forget. So I kept attaching different parts of the song to different choreography and movement in the song. So if I'd forget, I would know where I was if I moved to a certain section. And at one point, sure shooting. I use that phrase for Annie, get your gun. I totally forgot in the middle of the song, which aunt or uncle I was supposed to be singing about. And so I got to the doing what comes naturally. And the kids that were on stage with me, I'm sure knew every single word, but I thought, okay, now I'm moving over. Oh, I know the words because I remembered it. I had it set up. So doing things in advance to play with your memory can really help. What can you do the weeks before in preparation for a speech? We're going to talk about a specific speech for now. I want you to think of your audience. What topic would be of value for them? I mean, if you're talking to firemen, you don't want to talk about quilting. I mean, maybe if there's a reason, but generally it wouldn't make sense. What is your goal or the intention for the speech? Or even your goal or intention for the character? 
that you might be working on if you're an actor. What do you want the audience to feel? Keep this in mind when you're putting everything together. And then come up with a concept and then write an outline or a bullet points. Some people need to write out their speech from beginning to end. And some people prefer to go with bullet points. I'd say start with bullet points and then practice and kind of riff around the subject. And so you can kind of feel how you feel about it. If you have a lot of research you need to put in, a lot of things you need to quote, by all means, start filling in the blanks. But what's your style? Are you more comfortable just with an outline? Or do you need everything written? Make sure you figure out the time that you have, the length of your speech. And then when you figure out the main sections you want to say, figure out how you can make it more interesting. Add some humor. Put some personal stories in or stories about other people you know or clients if you're you know, someone or customers or whoever without giving away who they are. Find a way to hook the audience. Repeat a phrase partway through so that it's like it keeps getting them and by the end maybe they'll be saying it with you. Something that makes sense for them. And then just practice it. I practice in the car. You can practice walking around. But make sure if it's something where people can see you it's not just like the show, like audio, that you at some point practice in front of a mirror because you want to plan out your movements. Now, this is more for speech than on stage because as you're an actor, you're told where to move, but you also want to see your expressions sometimes. So practicing in front of a mirror can be a really good thing. And if you have a mirrored closet door, it's wide enough. If you want to do movement, you can actually see what you're doing. You can record what you're doing if you don't and then watch it back. But even look at the hand gestures and make sure you're not using the same one all the time. That when you move, it looks comfortable. That it makes sense and you're doing like kind of helping the audience picture what you're talking about instead of making zero sense. That you're moving and you're pacing and that's just distracting. So make sure that you watch yourself. And then at some point, ask a person or two to actually listen to your speech. It will go so much better if the first time you do it in public it isn't the first time you've had an audience. It might be weird and it might feel incredibly uncomfortable the first time you do it. But I'm telling you, you're going to be much more comfortable when you do it where it's important and where it counts if you do that. And you always, always, it's recommended by many people and I agree, you always need to know the beginning and the end of whatever you're saying so that you know when you're nervous at first and you know how to wrap it up when you go, oh my God, I'm out of time. I know where to jump to. I know where the ending is, where it makes sense in case I get carried away and off track. With acting, you memorize lines. And I just say, please, fellow actors, please do not paraphrase your lines. I know you can't help it at some point when you're first learning them, but please, for the love of people, other people learning their lines at the same time, be kind to your fellow actors and learn your lines as close as possible. And make sure at some point you at least know what your cue lines are. You don't need to memorize them, but you should know enough what they are so you know if they're skipped, that you can't just say your next line. You go, oh, they left something out. Okay. And you should be able to, at some point before you actually go on there, say your lines at the speed of light, skipping all the cues. I used to practice lines and dancing in front of my copier at the office a long time ago. People would come up and say, hey, what show were you doing? And I go, oh. It was kind of a way to do, it wasn't why I did it, but it was a way to kind of give, do publicity out there and tell the public what was going on. And some of them actually came to shows. You also will be way less likely to forget your lines if you know them really fast 
You practiced them with a person. However you need to do it, everybody has their own way of learning lines as an actor. And I will definitely put that out there. But know them so well inside and out. Otherwise, you're going to forget. If you visualize the speech or the scene going well and the reactions of the audience and how you feel like you're really successful afterwards, this is also a really good thing you can do before. And if any challenges you think might come up, see you handling them like a pro. Whether it's an alarm that goes off, electronics fail, something happens, your PowerPoint goes down, you're giving a presentation, you can keep going or you know what to say. Control what you can. This is really important. Check in advance if you're giving a speech with the coordinator, if you have one. What do you need? Talk to them about it. How is the audience set up? How are they sitting? Do you need any specific lighting? Maybe you can't see anybody and you want to be able to see the audience. Or maybe you don't. If you need electronics, like the connection for your computer for PowerPoint presentation, make sure that you're going to have that. If you need a mic because it's a really big place, what time is your mic check? Make sure you show up early enough to have it. Check with them what they want out of you, what they expect from you. If you need to present a bio in advance or a picture. Also make sure that you walk around a little to see what you've got. Do you need a podium for notes? Maybe you want water nearby or a chair. Maybe you want to be able to walk around. You don't want any of that stuff other than water. There are seven steps you can take directly before your speech presentation, and I want to give these to you. First, go to the bathroom. Hello, cold, clammy hands and have to pee. I mentioned this before. It will happen to most people I've talked to, not just me. So make sure you go to the bathroom directly before you walk out. Don't have caffeine or alcohol, especially with a speech. Well, acting too, if your timing is going to be totally off, you're either going to be too fast or too slow, and you won't be able to be fully present in the moment if you have it too close to before you go out. When you're backstage, this is number three of the seven steps, focus, find calming breaths and relaxing your body. If you need to meditate in a short, shiny, short meditation, or do a few yoga poses, do a prayer, whatever you do right before you go out, go ahead and do it. Okay. It's something that is really important for you. Now, the next thing is that right before you go out, you center yourself. You want to make sure that you aren't all over the place. Your mind isn't like thoughts here, thoughts there, and you're freaking out and you can't concentrate. So pull everything back in for wherever your mind is, dwell on the positive instead of the possible failures. And this one's kind of weird, but it seems to work for some people. You might want to do a power pose, like a Superman or a Wonder Woman or something power pose. Those things really seem to help. They really seem to make sure that you are more fully present. And if butterflies and fear threaten to overwhelm you, channel that fear into excitement. Don't let it stop you. It's really hard to stop fear. It's easier to channel it into something that's from similar to it. I kind of learned that on Psychology Today and online. It was something that I looked at and went, yeah, that's actually what I've been doing. That makes so much sense. But I never put it in those words before. Number six is to think of the first line or two so that if you have forgotten in the past or you have notes on the podium, you might be okay, but think of them before you go out so you can really feel like you're ready to go. Because once you get past those first couple of lines, it's going to be so much easier to calm down. And that has to do with either your speaking or your acting. It doesn't matter. Either way, 
know the beginning, especially if you do a monologue, people, and you're on stage as an actor, know the first few lines, like in your sleep. Number seven is as you step out, smile and let go of thinking about yourself. Instead, think of the audience as like the best friends you have in the world and that you love to talk to so that you'll be happy to see them rather than, oh my God, they're the people that are going to judge me and maybe fire me and whatever else you're thinking. Let all that go. Smile at them and go, oh, I love these people. This is so much fun. Even if you're lying to yourself for a while. The next thing I'm going to give you is during your speech, you can do this also while you're practicing, but this is a really great time. Number one, you be aware of how much time you have. So if you need to use your stopwatch on your phone so you can kind of keep track of how long you're going, it might be a clock somewhere on the wall. Or have somebody in the audience give you a three minutes with your fingers or something so that you can see how much time you have left. And then be aware of how fast you're talking. Take appropriate pauses. If you're acting, make sure you breathe in the right places. And the same thing with when you're giving a speech, really. Make sure that you don't speak so fast or so slow that it doesn't work. Usually it's fast when you're nervous, though, I have to say. And the third thing, pay attention to your enunciation. Make sure that you can be understood, not just because of the speed, but especially if you have an accent that you are clipping your words enough and enunciating enough to help the people who aren't used to hearing you. Because that's kind of your job, to help people who don't quite get you, haven't quite heard you before. It takes a while for the ear to get used to people. Also, Another thing you can do during your speech is to connect to the audience. During a speech, eye contact is important. So you need to go ahead and pick somebody in the audience to look at. Why I say in a speech it's important because acting most of the time, it's a fourth wall. You don't look at the audience. So when you don't look at the audience, you're looking out at nothing. So it's way different. And I had to learn the difference for a speech. With a speech, you want to look at the audience if you can see them. And it's not this massive audience out there where you're just lit and you can't see them. So speak to someone for a few lines, and then pick the next person for the next few sentences that you're saying, and really feel like you're connecting to them. If you see someone yawn, check their watch, or get up and leave, ignore them. Don't tell yourself to hate you. They're leaving because they don't like you. Don't go into the negative of that. Just allow it to roll off your back. Do not take it personally, because it's so easy to do that. Don't let it distract you or throw you off. Just assume there's always going to be people like that. People don't get enough sleep. It's too warm in the room. They have something they have to do a specific time. Let them be. The sixth thing is that you have to pay attention to the audience reactions, especially actors know this. You have to wait for laughs or applause. But people who give speeches aren't usually used to that. Be aware that those things are happening and then stop for a second and then start again wherever you left off. The last thing is to focus on the story that you're doing, on the speech or the acting. Focus on that and not on yourself. Because if you let the magic happen, it's going to transport you and your audience. And before you know it, everyone will be laughing if they're supposed to, hopefully. Plotting, they'll be with you the whole time. Or maybe crying if your story is sad. Just don't stay stuck in the negative, especially that self-talk that we do about how it's going to go. We need to visualize the positive and the best case scenarios. 
because it's so hard to stop the fear. You know, sometimes we just get stuck there. When you have that point where you get there, find a way to channel it. Channel that fear into something similar, like excitement, something that you go, yes, okay, this is going to be good. And don't worry about giving a speech. Just talk to people like you know them all, like they're your best friends, like there may be a room full of your family. Instead of people that are critics, that are your bosses, that think you have to do it a certain way, don't be so concerned about them. Just focus on being your unique best self. And don't compare yourself to anybody else. Know that you have a lot to give. You have a lot of information, a lot of stories, a lot of self that you can give to people. And people will find it as a gift if you do. If you love what you do, they'll take it as a gift, as you mean it to be. And that is truly the most important thing you can do. Thank you so much for joining me here today. If you love the show, make sure you rate, review, and share this podcast and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Connect with me on Facebook or by email with questions and comments, ideas for future episodes, or if you would like to be a guest, give me a shout out and I'll send you an application. Until next week, remember, you are already enough to have that joyful, limitless life that you desire. You're tuned in to Living Your Limitless Life. Do you want to know more? Visit host Carol DeShane's website at connect2joy.com. Today's gonna be, gonna be a good, good day, yeah.